Hey, this is your name, your name, your name. And uh, they say it ain't easy. He's real. Gang Green and their man. Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break. The great one. We're not talking about an effort on the field. Ooh. We're talking about the process at which we do things. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the pedal. Base, 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 base. There's no way I'm not going to have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rut. Own this rut. The New York Jets. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. And welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody. I'm the number one Jet fan in the state of Florida right now, going in Disney World with the family. Jet fans, what's going on? Mike is down there in the Magic Kingdom, everyone. Just so you know, every single day he's rocking Mets or Jets. I mean, the guy's not playing. If you run by, if you go by Mike, you know where he's from. You know the teams he's representing. Hope you're having a blast down there, Mike. You said you were able to go on the rise of the resistance. I need to hear about that in a moment. Let's finish the intros first, because you know we got the greatest tight end in the history of Maris Red Fox football here. Okay? He's focused today. Laser focused today, <laughs> this freaking kid, okay? You know him, you love him. The big Wookiee, Nicholas Cronk. What's up, Nick? What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the show. I mean, this kid has just been doing his thing. Too too important for us now. Too many big coaching things going on. He's just married. All these excuses, bro. Finally, welcome back to the show. The greatest high school football coach in the nation today, Sammy O'Hare. What's up, Sammy? To the nation, I apologize, but I'm back now, and it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> All right, there we go. We got the whole team back together, Mike. Before we get into this Jet stuff, Michael, your review of the Star Wars land at Disney, especially the Rise of the Resistance ride, Michael. One to 10, where you rank in the ride? Oh, it's a 10. Absolutely fantastic uh, ride. And Star Wars land is pretty dope. A uh, bunch of cool rides there, Smuggler's Run. Uh, got my authentic lightsaber, so I'm a true Jedi master now. I'm loving it. Kids loved it. I, I, I I really like the whole thing. I, I, honestly, our best park was when we went to Universal Studios. Um, yeah, we just finished that up yesterday. Same. That was an amazing Uni time. Universal yeah. is a blast. Yeah, so underrated, dude. So underrated, Universal. So much fun stuff to do there, for real. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the roller coasters are crazy. The Hulk, the Velocicoaster, all of it. I mean, it was just pretty ridiculous. So we had a really good time at Universal. We're going to Epcot tomorrow. There you go. Get it so on I the list. Can I ask a question? I need to know what crystal Mike chose for his saber. What? Say again? What crystal what, did what, you choose? What crystal did you choose? Which what, one did you pick? Yeah, what color you got, Mike? No, what you got going? I, no, I, I, I did. So my mine is was the non- uh, expensive ones because you pay two hundred dollars <laughs> where you pick the crystal. I didn't go. I didn't go there with now, the super expensive. Mike, just so you know, a friend of ours, um, a friend of me, you and Wookies, acquaintance of my cousin Sammy, also spread the big money for his lightsaber, which was tremendous, and got himself thrown out of the lightsaber exhibition all at the same time. Way to go! Oh, Way to go! Wow. Way to go, John! When I that's went like in there, a, that's look, like when a, I went in there. That's like a Gordy Howe hat trick of Disneyland. You go in, 
Do every ride, get the lightsaber, get thrown out. Respect. Respect to you. I won't go into the details, guys. You don't need to know that. Okay? But when you're when you're 40 years old and you're fighting a 70-year-old dude dressed as a Jedi, you gotta you gotta re reevaluate re your life. You gotta do that. That's because some things just aren't worth it. You know what I'm saying? When I went in there, when I went in there and I saw how expensive these things, and people were buying them like they were picking out a new car. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, nah, son, I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna go get my normal Jedi lightsaber and have my boy help me build it. Now, Michael, so I'm good. I got a little lightsaber. It ain't one of those authentic ones. Yeah. Now, segueing from Star Wars to a man that actually has his own gravitational pull, Makai Becton, the condominium with legs, the walking eclipse, the human continent. Okay. I just made all those up just now. Michael came into camp here. He's off to the side, kind of practicing. Now, all over New York, Mike, all the blogs, all the shows, all the papers on the radio, Makai Becton's weight is the main topic right now when it comes to Jet fans, when it comes to Jet reporters. People want to see what type of shape he's in. And apparently he looks enormous, Mike. Now, you can be 380 pounds and be way more muscular, or you can be 380 pounds and be in the situation he was in last year, Mike, where there was probably too much weight on that frame, caused an injury. I want to hear what you have to say, Mike. I know talking about a guy's weight is kind of silly at this point. He has plenty of time before the season starts. But you're hearing reports that he is clocking in above 380? closer to the 400 pound level and you had a really good observation mike when it comes to some of the other players on the team we're going to get into like zach wilson like denzel mims who the coaches commented on their physiques and the hard work they put on the offseason even though becton was tweeting out stuff on twitter mike we haven't heard those same type of reports or adulation or kind words from the coaches in regard to him and his physical shape have we no the narrative around becton unfortunately has been negative when this coaching staff took over last year's season and, and all we kept hearing last uh, training camp was how Carl Lawson just kept beating Becton, beating Becton. And he kept saying, oh, iron sharpens, sharpens iron. And LaFleur actually, you know, said some negative things that were uh, um, surprising about Becton. So the narrative around how this coaching staff felt, felt about him to start really wasn't that great. And then he got hurt and he was out for the entire season. And the yeah. Jets were a bit negative on him in that he wasn't able to get back when they thought he would get back. So we go through this old off season. We're saying, are you going to be there in OTAs? He doesn't show up in OTAs because he's a father, understood. So this is the very first time we see this beast of a human come back. I mean, we know how big he is. We saw pictures of him. Time speeds up as you get closer, you know, curving <laughs> gravature and all. But the pro but here's the, the thing, man. Uh, you know, like you said, Denzel Mims, People, the, the coaching staff's going crazy they said about his, his physique and what he's done over there. They said, look, Denzel's got, he's in shape. He's running yeah. this, this, this. Zach Wilson, he's, he's a thick or whatever the hell they're saying and his legs. And when it comes to Becton, it's like, hey, we're glad he showed up. Not a word on his weight. Yeah. Not a way. And that, that's telling. That's telling because, you know, the team is really excited right now. They're trying to really set the tone and, be positive and it's unfortunate you know Becton showed up his his knee is good that's what everyone is saying but yeah, you're to be instead of water he's, he's going to be ready for training camp. he expects to be this he expects to be the starting left tackle for the New York Jets but he's willing to play right so he said all the right things today yeah, he true. said he's going to let everybody eat his words but honestly guys you can read the tea leaves I don't think the weight I don't think the weight is where it needs to yeah, I agree with you, Michael. And you know, there's no there's no uh, brace on the knee. 
I guess that is a positive development. He's working off to the side. Everyone said he looked fine. He looked agile. Um, Sammy, what do you think? We haven't had a chance to speak to you in a couple weeks here. Beckton's been a hot topic. Everyone waiting to see how he looked when he came in. Comes in, he looks even more enormous than ever. Um, where you falling on this when it comes to Makai Beckton, Sammy? I think what concerns me most about Makai is what they are saying about him, right? So I know we were talking about what they're not, but what they're saying about him is, oh, his weight fluctuates within 10 pounds, mm. no matter what the day is. What? Right? It's wild. So that's, Kotal is like, oh, it fluctuates within 10 pounds on a daily basis. What? And then he's saying, well, it's not a matter of being shaped. It's a matter of getting his football moves set right those comments bother me more i think than them not saying anything about him because now you're it seems like you're looking for excuses to sort of make it for the fact that he's played what 11 games in 33 right yeah. whatever the number is um so that concerns me a lot um i think the guy can be a, he's a physical specimen i think he could be one of the best tackles in football i don't know if necessarily the sort of mentality and that worth ethic is there, right? Because you get to this level with a guy like Makai Becton who has the physical attributes you can't teach. And all you need that guy to do is commit to being the best at his job. Yep. So if they're not going to do that, then you're going to start to make excuses. And that's kind of where it's <coughs> like we're at. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, that makes sense, Sam. And I hope he does get his head screwed on straight. He had the big bus t-shirt on today. He vocalized that he wants to prove all the critics wrong, like Mike said. So I hope he does do that. If this kid plays just the same way he played as a rookie and stays healthy, that's a, he doesn't have to be a pro bowl. That's still a solid left tackle for you or a solid right tackle in that case, guys. Um, I want to throw something at the Wookiee here. Now, Zach Wilson and Michael get into more of the granular stuff here. Kind of up and down here in minicamp. Same thing in OTAs. I'm not going to read too much into it just yet. But Wookiee, the NFL GMs anonymously rank these second-year quarterbacks here. I'm going to read you the rankings, Wookiee, and I want to hear if you agree or disagree with these rankings. One through six, Wook. I just Yeah, the second-year quarterbacks. First year one quarterback being selection. the best, six being the worst? Absolutely. So the number okay. one is Trevor Lawrence. Number two, Mac Jones. Number three, Zach Wilson, number four, Justin Fields, five, Trey Lance, six, Davis Mills. What do you think about that order when it comes to the quarterbacks going into this year? Do you think that's right, the hierarchy there? you think Jones should be above Lawrence? Do you think Fields should be above Zach Wilson? What do you think, Luke? Who was uh, who second again, Keith? Mac Jones. I could, all right, I could see, now, I mean, I don't know uh, what they're exactly basing it off of. If it's success over their, their first two years, I could see Mac Jones being that steady guy that came in and just ran the offense. So I don't, I don't have a problem with where he's ranked. Yeah, Lawrence, I have to imagine that they're banking on that the Urban Meyer circus that was his first year. That um, he can't be that bad. Yeah. I don't think he can be that bad either. I think it was a lot of Urban Meyer and what was going on sure. as a rookie. <laughs> um, I, I like Wilson at three. Yeah, me too. I, I don't see any problem with that. There. Yeah, I want to hear what Mike says to that, that too. Mike, you heard that list there. Where do you kind of have Zach? This is for 2022 projection. Do you like that list? I'm going to ask Sammy too. I think Sammy has something to say about that list. But Mike, where do you got our boy slide in there when you go one through six for the QBs last year? I would say that that ranking is fair. You know, like I, I wouldn't be Mac Jones by far outplayed everybody else from a production perspective. Sure. I know the Patriots haven't done a lot around him in this offseason, so that's obviously projection on what he's going to be able to do. Zach Wilson hasn't proved anything. Justin Fields hasn't proven anything. Even David Mills had a better production uh, last year than Zach Fields and the rest of them. You know, Trey Lance is a scrub. I think that that's the correct place <laughs> to put him at five. 
um, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the hair is beautiful. The Subway sandwich commercials. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But in regards to Zach Wilson, you know, if we really want to get into um, how he's done this summer, um, we were looking for a quarterback that was going to look like he had taken the next step and was in full command. And there were a couple of really positive things about Zach Wilson this summer. One was he's a lot more vocal this time than he was last season. Two, when he makes a mistake, he knows exactly what he did wrong. And he's able to discuss that right off the bat. He's not learning the system. So there are some positives to take away. But in the first three weeks of OTAs, Zach was still making some of the same issues that he was making as a rookie, where he was not being able to execute some of those small, short-range passes, um, throwing a little behind receivers. He was looking good on some, but it was a little shaky up and down. Uh, now, I know that he's getting a lot more in the playbook in this round of OTAs than he did last year, where he was it was very basic, vanilla, you know, welcome to the NFL type stuff. But when minicamp started uh, lat yesterday or uh, the first day, he was it was the best practice that we've seen from him. They've only been four practices, guys. So it's not like we have a large sample set and we don't play with pads or anything like that either. It's very, uh, you know. Like they're playing in pajamas and whatnot. So last, uh, the first day, he started off really good, had a 50-yard bomb to, to, to Smith, you know, uh, had a touchdown over to Corey. Sauce caught, a, caught an interception on him mm. in the red zone. He didn't really do that well. So at the end of today's practice, it was a little bit shaky. So overall, OTAs and minicamp, it was up and down. Is that cause of concern? Not really. Really, guys. I mean, you know, we we only saw him what four or five times, and you know, we were hoping to see more, but we're really going to see in minicamp. And to me, it doesn't really matter right now um, whether he's killing it or as long as he looks like you know he understands the playbook and that he's developing chemistry with his players. That's all really you can hope for because when training camp starts and we start getting into preseason and we start revving up, that's really when we're going to see. Hey, does this team have something here? So, I to to your point, your question, Keith. I think the rankings are right, and uh, and there were some positives from Zach this summer and some negatives. So overall, up and down. Yeah, Sammy, we want to get to Garrett Wilson here, get to Sauce here, but you got a comment on that list there, that ranking one through six? Yeah, I mean, what are we basing off? Half of those guys didn't even play football last year. Like Trey Lance played what three snaps, three whole snaps. How was he above? At least David Mills played a football season. That's fair enough. That's I fair. Know, like, what are we basing that off? Of? And secondly, Mac Jones, sorry, guys. He's not Tom Brady reincarnate. I, I love that we're going to put him at two and, and pretend that that's cool and we're all fine with it. But, like, all of those guys were terrible equally. They were all really bad. So I think instead of one through six, it should be one. And then we'll just see because they were all equally terrible. And two of those guys barely played any football last year. So, yeah. like him and Trey Lance and Justin Fields, what they really do? And yeah, I know what you mean. Really it's hard. Teams. It's hard to gauge them considering you didn't see a lot of work out there in the field. I get what you're saying. Mac Jones was a game manager last year, did well for a rookie. Don't get me wrong, but like Sammy's saying, you're going to see a lot of the same from him in his career. This is probably what he is. Now I said the same thing about Josh Allen. I'm hoping I'm not putting that energy onto Mac Jones now. 
Okay, me and Mike were not fans of Josh Allen. Now he's the greatest quarterback in the league, okay? Don't want to put the ABG hex on this kid, but I think the Patriots have the worst roster in the entire division. I don't think they're going to be that good this year. Mike, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I'll ask the Wookiee, too. If you wanted a number, right? If you wanted a number, Sauce wanted number one. DJ Reed has number one. Even though he hasn't played yet, he's laid claim to the number. Sauce gave him $50,000 for the number. Now, is that is that, let me ask you guys, is that ridiculous? Is that a low amount? Considering he'll have this number the rest of his career, do you think it's a bargain? Where do you fall, Mike, on the $50,000 Sauce gave to DJ Reed for number one? Doesn't that seem like a hefty chunk of change? Nah, I would have done it because it's about brand. I mean, that one is clean on Sauce. I mean, you got a name like Sauce. He's got a lot of pressure on him, this kid, because he was the number four pick. You know, he's got the swag. He's got the name. And you need the number to go with it, man. And you're going to go back there and you're going to have to kill it. So, yo, what's $50,000 when he's going to be as potential to be making hundreds of millions? You know what I'm saying? Like, especially for the number, like the number is your brand. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if he felt that strongly about his brand and he wanted to have one on his chest with this nickname sauce, I love it. And I would have done the same damn thing. I love it. What do you think, Whoop? Do you keep the 50 Gs and just take number 11 and just move on with your life? If I'm Reed, I'm like, yo, you want the number? Yeah, it's a million. <laughs> <laughs> you want to carve out your legacy, keep your number? That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> you pay me a million dollars right now, you could have the number one. I, exactly. I, I would like to see if that was the offer, if, if, if Sauce would have went for it. You know DJ and Reed. If he did, God bless him. DJ Reed Googled up his signing bonus and was like, look, kid, you want number one? I just saw your yeah. signing bonus, all right? Yeah. Give me half that right now, and you get number give me that, one. Give me half that right now. You I think uh, it was strongly suggested for a DJ Reed to work it out with Sauce, because Sauce might be the future of the team here, guys. So we can have another rookie that we're hoping does big things this year. Mike, you said Garrett Wilson here, after we finish minicamp, isn't flying home. He's staying local to put the work in to get ready for the preseason. Now, all we heard about this guy when we drafted him, Michael, was on and off the field. He's doing everything to be a great player. Is another sign for you that Garrett Wilson's uh, pointing in the right direction here for 2022? Absolutely. And like we talked about before, he comes from a professional background. His parents, his dad was a professional athlete. So he understands what it takes to be a professional. And this is the type of behavior we need from our young superstars in the making. And uh, I think Garrett Wilson really had a good showing as a rookie so far during the summer, uh, especially at the end, his footwork and, and what he was doing with Zach and, and the offense um, was pretty uh, with what he showed us out there. And again, it's just OTAs, it's minicamp, but uh, he got better as uh, the weeks went along. So very excited to see him coming up and i think his mental is right and that's exactly the type of people we want on this team sammy when uh we didn't get a chance to run this by you when ota started and sauce was sticking garrett wilson and doing a good job you heard people criticizing garrett wilson and in my head sammy i'm thinking if sauce isn't shutting down garrett wilson how are we going to rely on him to shut down Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs and all that? Like, isn't that what you want to hear? That your number four overall pick right now is shutting down a receiver? I mean, that's uh, Gary, uh, Gary Wilson's not going to go out there and have number one corners on him next year. He's probably not going to have to worry about lining up across on those guys. I don't, I don't think so, at least at this point. Um, but I mean, that wasn't really something I took as so much of a negative. He improved as the the, the camp went on. But you kind of want to hear that sauce is shutting people down, right? Right, Sammy? Yeah, I mean, 100%. And you also want your young guys to grow together. 
So you're hoping that you're looking at the future of the Jets. So you're hoping that Sauce and Garrett have a long career of being practice enemies. Because if they are practice enemies, they're both going to get better from that experience. So like from a coaching perspective, particularly, I have to make sure that my best players are on the field. So if I want to run an offense, I got my 11 guys. I'm a small team, right? I got 25 kids. So 11 of those guys are playing pretty much both ways. I'm going to take half those dudes and put them on defense and be like, yo, just blitz my quarterback because you're the best player. So you're the second best player. He's the best player. So you blitz him and go tackle him. Yeah. Right. So if you're putting Garrett Wilson on sauce, I don't, why would you hate on Garrett? I think again, he has a ton of tools. Uh, we'll get into Mims in a second, but with that cast that he has around him, I think there's a lot for him to learn. And with him, Sauce, and don't forget Eli Moore, I think that's a really cool group that'll come up together. Yeah, and when it comes to Mims here, one thing we were saying, and we touched on it a moment ago, was that his, seemingly, his attitude last year, Sammy, and what wasn't one that had him embracing special teams or just doing anything he needed to do to get on the field. I think sometimes people get drafted where he got drafted second round pick in the NFL. You kind of think, oh, I'm a receiver. I don't have to play special teams. I'm a second round pick. But that's kind of where he fell last year. He didn't excel, didn't really give it too much of an effort. Seems like the attitude is much different this year, Mike. Uh, when it comes to Denzel Mims, I know they commented on his physique. Also seems like he's making some plays out there. Also seems like he's embracing whatever role they're handing to him. Seems much more likely just based off these first few weeks, Mike, that Denzel Mims does make this team as opposed to what we thought maybe a month ago, right, Mike? Yeah, guys, um, you know, we all know what the word on the street was on Denzel Mims, and I'm here to tell you that there is some real buzz from the coaching staff about Denzel Mims. Not only has he done the work in the offseason to get his body right, not only has he shown up and done everything he was supposed to this summer, but he's flashing in camp, guys. He caught a deep touchdown over uh, one of the cornerbacks uh, today that was very, very impressive. LaFleur, the coaching staff, they're raving about where he is today compared to where he was. And when you see a coaching staff excited like that, it shows that, yeah, this guy's buying in, not only from a physical perspective, but from an understanding of what they do. See, I think the way LaFleur feels is like, do you understand how we run offense? Do I need to teach you? Do you know how to go through and execute when we call plays, right? And not mess it up, if you will. And I think they feel a lot more comfortable about Denzel Mims where he is right now. Obviously, he's fighting for that fifth receiver spot with Jeff Smith. We'll see how that plays out. But guys, in a perfect world, Denzel Mims is the Corey Davis replacement. Okay. Exactly, guys. And speaking of another rookie we want to get to and a couple other things before we get out of here, guys. Uh, Brees Hall, we know, drafted him very highly, um, anticipating the offense is kind of going to go through that kid this year, kind of be run through him this year. Coach LaFleur seems pleasantly surprised with the catching ability of this kid. Now, uh, throughout NFL history, there's been plenty of great running backs that are a threat, running the ball and catching the ball to the backfield. We haven't had one of those on our team in quite a while, so it's happy to hear these reports on him looking so good. Sammy, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, we know Zach Wilson struggled last year at the beginning, played a little bit better at the end. Towards the end of the year, the offensive line also played better, it seemed like. We were able to run the ball a little bit. Now you're coming into 2022, 
better offensive line, actual running game. Can you maybe just explain to some of the listeners how, in simple terms, Brees Hall, his ability to run the ball, catch the ball to the backfield, what are the ways, and I know this is a simple question, what are the ways that's going to help our boy Zach Wilson improve this year? So it helps in a few different ways, right? So initially, having a strong run game and being able to pound that rock gives you kind of the same flexibility that a guy like Mark Sanchez had that wasn't that good, right? So it buys you time. It gives you the ability to trust your offense. And that in itself is huge for a quarterback because for quarterbacks, a lot of it, most of it is mental, right? The hardest part about being that position is the six inches between your ears. Because all you're doing is mentally breaking down every play by play. So having a running game that you can rely on, that you can get four, five, six yards a chunk is really going to help settle you down mentally, right? The second part of that is play action. We know that guys like Zach Wilson operate best outside of the pocket. That's why guys like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, all these dudes, the modern NFL, they're all successful outside of the pocket. So if you can establish a run game, that gives you the ability to create space when you do play action and it stops that defense from putting eight guys in the box. So now you've created the space, you you give your quarterback the ability to be an athlete and, and make some space of his own and kind of create plays as he goes. So with a guy like Brees Hall and Michael Carter who can both catch out of the backfield, now you've added two legitimate receiver weapons and running weapons. So you you got your four, even a four receiver set with your running back, well, you got five receivers. Yeah. Right? So you've set yourself up in any situation where I have four receivers out, I got Brees Hall next to me, but guess what? I can run an inside zone, or I can run a screen, or I can run a deep ball. Yeah. You don't know because they're good enough that I can do each one of those things. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And I, I envision next year a lot of play action, and then Zach runs the ball you know, maybe for eight or 10 yards because he showed the legs at the end of last season. That's another aspect of his game um, I think he can implement. Guys, before we get out of here, I just want to give a shout out to Minka Fitzpatrick on the Steelers, now the highest paid safety in the league. So Jamal Adams officially didn't even get to play one game in the NFL as the highest paid safety in the league. So thank you, Steelers, for doing that. There are two guys that have done, there's two guys that have been doing really well in camp and, that, and they're both in the safety position. Ashton Davis is really playing his ass off, guys. I mean, he... Uh, he really wants that starting spot, free safety spot, and uh, he's been flashing. And the other guy, and we talked about this before, is Jason Pinnock. And you can tell that the coaching staff really likes him and they're coaching him up. I don't think he's going to be the starting safety now, but guys, I, if he continues, I have a funny feeling he will be our starting safety in 2023 and beyond. Okay. So those are two guys just to watch out for. I think it's important you say coaching staff because they're the reason that those dudes are trying so hard to win that spot. Without Salah and these guys pushing them, they wouldn't be as motivated to be like, you know what, I'm going to be the best version of myself out on this field. I think that's a huge testament to what we have in terms of our coaching staff. Yeah, a whole different vibe, it seems, to the squad. Even last year when we were losing games, I mean, losing games is something Jet fans, unfortunately, we've become very used to, regardless of coaches or the regime, right, guys? We know how this feels, but sometimes it feels a little different. With Adam Gase, it felt like we had no chance. It felt like we were a loser team, you know? Like, we're the team everyone can make fun of, the New York Jets. Last year with Salah, even when we're losing games, we got to whoop some of those games. His fire and his attitude down to the last whistle, completely different than Adam Gase. You're not seeing a guy stick his head and pout and you know look look around and make excuses and blame everybody else that's not what our coach does that's not what he did last year he took accountability and i think when you act like that when you act that way as a coach and a leader 
that rubs off on your team. Okay, Salah's accountable. He wants his players to be accountable. Show up in shape. You know, work as hard as humanly possible. And the guys that do that, they're going to be the ones on the field. I mean, they made that very clear. Joe Douglas has. Robert Salah has. Um, I'm really excited. I've never been as excited for a season probably in the past decade as I am for this year, guys. I'm fired up for a variety of reasons. Me and Sammy will be sitting together in the seats. Um, Jets roster looks good, guys. We're looking in the right direction. And next week, Mike, we got something big coming up for these AEBG fans, don't we? The Beast from the East series. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that? We. Yeah, over the next four weeks, we're going to be doing a Beast from the East series where we will be taking all of our offensive passing, defensive passing, defense running, you know, our offense running and taking all those different sections of our teams and ranking them against the AFC East saying, hey, where does the Jets passing attack rank against the Patriots, the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills? And we'll break down all their units. And we'll do a ranking. We're going to be doing that with uh, Paul Esden Jr., Boy Green, and Mr. Matt O'Leary. So it should be a really good time. Yeah, two huge names in the Jets world there. I'm excited about that. We'll go through the running backs, offensive line, wide receivers, quarterback, all the different units that we have and stack it up against the rest of the division, guys. See where we come in. Because we can actually do that this year and be formidable. When you look at our offensive line, what, does does every does the three teams in this division have a better O-line than us? I don't think so. The Bills might. Don't think the Patriots do. Don't think the Dolphins do. So there's a lot of places we're probably better than people think. So we just want to get some experts on the show, chop it up with them. I know there's kind of the, the dead season here. So we want to give the Jet fans something to listen to. Um, the Beast from the East series, great idea from Mike. But Michael, if anyone does want to get at us or support AEBG in any way, shape, or form, where could they do that? Guys, we're on YouTube. We appreciate yeah. it if you like and subscribe. Uh, we're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas who's repping it in the Magic Kingdom right now, Michael Garris, on behalf of the greatest tight end in Division I football, Nicholas Kronk, and on behalf of the greatest high school football coach in the nation today, Sammy O'Hare. My name's Keith Farrell. Catch you next week, everybody. Peace out.